turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 as we conclude our, our, our teaching on the Beatitudes. But before we do, every once in a while, there is a message that God maybe wants to share with us. And during our worship, uh, Julia Lowen came to me and said, I think I have a word for the congregation. So I'm going to ask her to come and share this prophetic word to us from the Lord. I just feel like God would say to us, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for you will find rest for your souls. And every breath that I feel like what he wanted to say is every breath that we take is one breath closer to the day that we will find his greeting in heaven and that we all will face a judgment. And it's not something that we need to fear as believers. And he is also calling the unbelievers, come, come. Amen. Thank you, Julia. As we mentioned a few moments ago, we are in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. And before I begin, I would just like to also announce that one of our early founding members of our church today turns 90. Gerhard Weidelich turns 90 today. So if, you, if you're watching online, if you're watching online, you can type in happy birthday to him. If you're here after the service, you can greet him because he's in our service today. As I said, last, this is the last of the Beatitudes. Over the past eight weeks, we've looked at the eight blessings where Jesus says, if you want your life to be blessed of God, if you want to live an exceptionally happy life, this is what you need to do in your life. And then Jesus gives us small eight, small incremental statements, individual statements. But when you put these eight individual small statements together, they become the all-inclusive foundation to you and me having a, a blessed life. So it's important that we understand that these statements are not just random hearsay, but they are incredibly important for us to, stay, to, to live an abundant life. And when we look at these, as we looked at these topics over the weeks, we talked about being merciful. We talked about having dependence upon God. We talked about having spiritual hunger how to deal with losses in life. We looked at humility and integrity. And last week we looked at being a reconciler, a peacemaker. And today the last statement that Jesus makes in this series on Beatitudes is how do we deal with persecution? Persecution. Matthew chapter 5 verse 10 says, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of God is there. Now this may surprise you. Some of you may be really surprised by this, but followers of Jesus are the most persecuted group of people on this planet. The International Society of Human Rights, a secular organization, recently let out a report that said 80% 80% of religious freedom violations in the world today are directed against Christians. And since the resurrection of Jesus, over 70 
million believers in Jesus Christ have died for their faith. And what is probably the most shocking and probably what is the most incredible number that most people do not know is that half of this number, 35 million believers have lost their lives in the last 100 years. There are about 100 million followers of Jesus today who live in countries where the, where the prevailing religion or the dictatorship of these people, they're facing discrimination, they're facing persecution, they're facing interrogation, they are facing arrest, imprisonment, torture, and even death. A hundred million Christians today. For example, there used to be 1.3 million Christians in the country of Iraq in 1990. That was before the first Gulf War. Today, there are only a several, just a few thousand people left who classify themselves as Christians in the country of Iraq. In North Korea, the most current estimate that intelligence agencies have gathered is that there are probably 70,000 Christians who are suffering in prison right now in North Korea. Every 10 minutes, there are two Christians who die for their faith around the world. So by the time my talk is over this morning, six Christians in the world will have lost their lives for their faith. Hour upon hour, day upon day, week upon week, every month, two people who are classified as Christians lose their life every 10 minutes. And that has happened for the last 15 years. And most people have never heard of this. No one or very few people are even reporting it. Certainly the major news stations and news acceptable outlets are not reporting it. In fact, the most underreported, the most ignored, the most unnoticed, the most overlooked, the most unreported news item that is happening in our, on this planet today is the persecution of Christians. For over 2,000 years, Christianity, the church, has been persecuted. And it started in the Roman Empire because for the first 300 years, history records this, it was illegal to be a Christian in the Roman Empire for the first 300 years since the death of Jesus Christ. Christians were fed to the lions. Christians were tarred and set on fire to light the streets of Rome. Christians experienced in this time period the opposition to not follow Christ. It was illegal by law to be a follower of Jesus. But what most of us don't understand is that the worst persecution of Christians in all of history is happening right now. It is happening, not right, it wasn't during the Roman Empire, it is happening right now. The unfortunate thing, it is not being reported. That's the issue that we are facing. So today, in our world, in many places of the world today, it is not easy for people to follow Christ. It's not easy for people to rise up and stand, I am a Christian. In many places, being a Christian is not for the faint of heart. It's not for cowards. It's going to require something from these people. And most of these people are willing to sacrifice their lives for Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, 
and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, did you notice a very key word in this verse? It is the word will. It doesn't say if. It doesn't say if everyone wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. If. It doesn't say if. It doesn't say might or may suffer. No, it says you will suffer. The Bible is saying it is guaranteed that if you stand for Christ, and if you stand for righteousness, if you stand for reconciliation and justice in our world today, if you stand for what is right, there will be people who will oppose you. If you stand for what is true, there will be people who will oppose you. If you stand for good, evil will simply oppose you. Now let me be very honest for this moment, very honest and open and transparent for just a moment. In Canada, I don't think we experience persecution yet. In Canada, you are not facing right now immediate violent oppression, at least not yet. But you may face pressure or ridicule or subtle pressure to be something that you are not, to maybe conform or be like everyone else in society. You may face silent repression, a very subtle thing for you just to shut up, keep your mouth shut, and not say what is true. You may experience that. For example, when your boss in the workplace asks you and pressures you to do something that you know is dishonest or unethical or something that you need to resist and you don't want to do it, there is pressure to conform. Or when people are standing around in the workplace and, and they're telling crude and dirty jokes and you know that you shouldn't be hanging around with them, the pressure is on to put on a smile or to smirk or maybe to even laugh, pressure not to walk away in order to be accepted by your co-workers. Now, there may be those kinds of pressures. But as far as persecution is concerned, where your life is at stake, you in this country, we in this country are not experiencing that kind of persecution. It is not that intense level that many, many people in the world are facing. Now, I'm not saying that this will always continue to be this way in North America. What I'm saying is right now, we can still gather in this place under freedom and we can worship God. Nonetheless, in our context, in our country, in our city, as Christians, you still need to stand up for your faith. Because you must be willing to face rejection from neighbors and co-workers and family members, rejection for your belief. You must be willing to face criticism. You must be willing to face disapproval. You must be willing to face peer pressure. You must be willing to face harassment. You must be willing to face opposition if you truly want to live for Christ. So when Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, where Jesus says these incredible words about persecution, it's not really persecution in Canada. It's more like opposition. Which, by the way, listen, by the way, it could change at any moment to intense persecution 
where life and death decisions need to be made by you and by me in regards to our faith. I'm not saying this is always going to be as peaceful as we have it now, because we need to take this stand now and understand, and as we approach this topic, when we talk about persecution, we must take it from the standpoint that right now in our context, we may not be facing severe persecution, but we may be facing opposition. So when you are pressured, what do you do when you are pressured in your faith, in your Christian ethics, in your Christian morality? How do you respond to that? Things that we need to remember when you are pressured for your faith is that when you face this opposition, whether it's severe or light, opposition will always make you more like Jesus Christ. Opposition will always make you more like Christ. Now I want you to follow my logic here for a moment. Because in John chapter 15, verse 8 through verse 20, notice these words. Jesus says these words. If the world hates you, remember, it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. But you are no longer part of this world. I chose you to come out of this world, so it hates you. Verse 20. Do you remember what I told you, Jesus says? A slave is not greater than his master. Since you persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they listened to me, if they had listened to me, they would also listen to you. Now I want you to follow the logic here for a moment. If you are going to become more like Jesus in the way you think, in the way you act, in the way you feel, then you are going to have to go through and experience everything that Jesus experienced. And the Bible tells us that there were times when Jesus experienced loneliness. There were times when Jesus experienced discouragement. Jesus was worn out, he was tired, he was fatigued with life. There were times where Jesus was tempted. There were times when Jesus was maligned and criticized and lied about. Remember, not everyone in the Bible liked Jesus. There were people who opposed Jesus. Jesus was incredibly loved by sinners, but he was hated by people who didn't like his goodness. And you need to understand that evil always hates goodness. And if Jesus was perfect, there would still have been people, and Jesus was perfect, there were still people who hated him. So how is it going to be any different from us? If we want to follow Christ, if we want to be like Jesus, how is it going to be different? Do you think somehow that we are not going to have opposition in our life just because we follow Christ? If Christ himself also had opposition? Even if you were completely and totally perfect, there will always be people who will come against you who are not going to like you. Sometimes we have this delusional thinking, this myth in our minds that if I can just make myself more likable, if I can just be more appealing, more delightful, more captivating, engaging, if I could just be cute, surely somebody's going to love me more. Listen, 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 listen. There will never 
ever come a point in your life where everyone is going to love you or like you. It's just not going to happen. And in this verse, in John chapter 15, Jesus is pointing out something. That if he faced persecution, and if he faced opposition, and people didn't like Jesus, then as a follower of Jesus, even in the 21st century, there are going to be people in this world who are not going to like you simply because you say, I'm a Christian. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14, the Bible says, if you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed for the glorious Spirit of God rests on you. So when you experience ridicule or you experience criticism or when you feel that you are being judged, consider it a confirmation. Consider it a compliment to your faith in Jesus Christ. And the first thing you need to realize that as Jesus was maligned, as Jesus experienced slander, as Jesus experienced defamation, as Jesus was criticized, we also experience such things in our life, in the world in which we live in, in the circumstances that we encounter in life. And it should be a sign to us, it should be a symbol, a confirmation that we are like Jesus when we experience opposition. The second thing that we need to understand is that opposition deepens my faith. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 says these words. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire and purifies gold. Your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through the many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. The strongest believers in the world are not the believers in Canada or the United States of America or in Europe. Without doubt, the strongest and the most fervent believers in the world right now are those people who are having their faith tested right now. Opposition strengthens your faith. And if you have no opposition in your life, you're not going to have a growing faith. It's the same way that you grow muscles in your body. You don't grow a muscle. You don't strengthen your muscles. You don't empower your muscles by sitting on a couch, eating popcorn and potato chips and cake and candies all day long. That's not going to improve your muscle structure in your body. A muscle is grown by stretching it by straining it, by pressuring it, by putting tension against it, by pulling weight in the opposite direction of the muscles. That's how you strengthen the muscles in your body. The same way in your spiritual walk, in your spiritual faith, to have a strong faith, the only way that your faith is strengthened is when you feel the pressure and the opposition to your faith. It makes you stronger. It makes you stronger. And there are people in many countries of the world, while they are experiencing their presence, they have this incredible faith in God, even to the point of death. And here's the third thing we need to remember when we are pressured because of our faith. is that opposition provides eternal reward. Matthew chapter 5, 
verse 11 through verse 12, says these words. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. In essence, what Jesus is saying is that God is going to bless anybody who faces persecution, faces opposition, faces ridicule because they live for Jesus Christ. I need to remember, and I need to recall in my memory all the time that whenever harassment happens, it comes into my life because I'm a follower of Christ. But I also need to remember that when I face this ridicule and I face opposition because of my faith in Christ, there also is coming a reward in eternity. Now, before we look at how we handle this opposition to our faith, I want us to take a brief look at this short video clip of the kind of harassment and persecution that is happening in the world today. Watch this video. The Christian NGO Open Doors once again reports of increasing persecution of Christians worldwide. It certifies that some 245 million Christians worldwide suffered some form of persecution. In other words, one in nine Christians are persecuted because of their faith. Out of the 150 countries examined, Open Doors found 73 with a high, very high or extreme level of persecution. Five years ago, there was only talk of extreme persecution in North Korea. Now 10 more countries added to the list. Once again, King John Un's country is the first on the list. It's not known how many Christians are imprisoned in their re-education camps. Just possessing a Bible can mean death or jail, not only for those who possess it, but even for three generations of the same family. In Afghanistan, abandoning Islam is seen as a betrayal and can be punished even with death. Christians are obliged to practice their faith in secret. Even if a person is suspected of being in contact with someone of another religion, he or she can also be condemned to death. Somalia is the third country in this list of intolerant countries. The church has practically disappeared in a country where chaos has reigned for decades. Socially, being Somali is identified with being Muslim, so the few Christians who remain in the country have to practice their faith in secret. The jihadist militia Al-Shaab kills anyone suspected of abandoning Islam. In a war-torn Libya, many converts from Islam are persecuted by their own family. It is impossible to identify as a Christian. Thousands of Subharans who cross the country to reach Europe fall victim to human trafficking networks. If they are Christians, their fate can become even more terrible as they are victims of horrendous torture and rape. The last of the five countries where Christians are treated the worst is Pakistan. There, the anti-blasphemy law is a danger to Christians who may be condemned to death. One example is Asiya Bibi, who was released after eight years of inhuman imprisonment. Christians are also regarded as second-class citizens and therefore despised. In countries such as Iraq, the situation has improved slightly for Christians after the disappearance of the Islamic State. Last year, they were number 10 in the ranking, and this year, they are number 13. However, there is concern about other countries such as Morocco returning to the list, since Open Door certifies that the situation for Christians has worsened. It should not surprise us that with each passing year, each passing year, even in our country, it is becoming more anti-Christian, more and more secular. And in the years to come, friends, 
It's going to take courageous men and courageous women and courageous church fellowship to follow Jesus Christ. And the Bible gives us some pointers that when we experience and when we ourselves come against opposition and when we face persecution, we face this opposition to our faith, the Bible gives us some incredible pointers on how we should respond as followers of Jesus. The first thing the Bible says is we should not be surprised when we experience opposition to our faith. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and verse 13 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it is revealed to all the earth. The second thing in how we respond is we should not be afraid. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14 and verse 15 says, But if you suffer for doing good for what is right, God will reward, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or don't be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord for your life, of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Now in this verse, there are two key words here that you need to underscore, underline, circle. The words worry and worship. Those are two alternatives when you feel displaced, when you feel opposition, when you feel that you are put down, when you feel disregarded, when you feel the pressure to be quiet and to suppress your faith in Christ. It says here, these two words, worry and worship. You can either worry or you can continue to worship. That's what the Bible is saying here. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it is saying you can either panic or you can pray. You can either focus on the problems, the pressure and the opposition, or you can focus on God. And that's what worship is. Worship is focusing upon God. So we have a choice to make. We can worry about the oppositions that we face in life, or we can continue to worship God. We continue to step out in faith and live our faith and continue to worship God. The third aspect is I respond when we face persecution or opposition. Thirdly, by not being ashamed. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible says, It is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. Now, as I said earlier, you can't avoid disapproval. It may be as simple as people saying, I don't like Christians. But no matter what you do in life, as I said earlier, no matter what happens in life, no matter who you come across in life, no matter what you do in life, somebody is not going to like it. And there's nothing you can do about it because not everybody is going to like you. If you're going to suffer, if you're going to have people oppose you, if you're going to have people's disapproval, they might as well disapprove of you for doing the right things rather than the wrong thing. Let them, ins let them ins insult me. Let them call me by name. Let them label me because I'm going to be a person when I live my life not to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever people think of me, it's not going to deter me from serving Jesus Christ. And that has to be an attitude. That has to be a 
heartfelt commitment that you make in your life. As a follower of Christ, it is something that you decide when you become a follower of Jesus. It doesn't matter what they say or how they say it against me. It doesn't matter how they oppose me for living my faith. I am not going to be deterred from serving Jesus Christ. That has to be a part of our life if you're a follower of Jesus. The fourth thing is we need to recognize the source of this opposition. The Bible says that if when opposition comes, when difficulties come that kind of come against you and your faith in Christ, we need to understand that there is a source for this opposition. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and verse 9 says these words. Be alert. Stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. I've got news for you. It's not your co-workers. It's not a political party. It's not some religion. It's not some competitor. It's not even a family member. It's not even a person who doesn't like you. The real source, listen to this, the real source for the opposition against your faith in Jesus is Satan. Follow me on this. Satan hates God and is in direct opposition to God's kingdom. Satan hates everything that God created. And what Satan hates most of all, he hates most of all a church and people in the church who are part of the church. Satan doesn't just hate God. He hates people who have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ and now make a public claim of following Christ. Satan hates that. And we, as followers of Jesus, we need to be aware that there is a spiritual, an unseen spiritual battle that is happening. And it's not coming from an individual, a person in the flesh. That person who may be opposing you or ridiculing you for your faith, that person who may be speaking ill of you, that person is simply a pawn, a tool being used by a demonic power that is in the unseen world to put pressure and opposition on your life, to make your life miserable, to make you cave in to your faith. A lot of times, People don't even know that they're being used as a disruptor. But we have to understand this whole thing about spiritual warfare that is going on between heaven and hell. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authority of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, and against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. And so today, Satan uses the media, he uses music, he uses comedy, he uses television programming, politicians, friends, to ridicule anyone who follows Jesus. And to paint the church of Jesus Christ 
in a negative light. We need to understand that. We need to understand the dimensions and things that are going on in the spirit world that you are not tangibly aware of. There is an unseen world that is causing opposition against the church of Jesus Christ. Now, don't take any kind of opposition from people personal. What you need to do is recognize the source where it's coming. The fifth thing that we need to understand is when we experience opposition against us because of our faith, we need to refuse to retaliate. Initially, I don't know about you, initially our first reaction in our flesh, our first reaction towards someone who has attacked us is to do what? It's to retaliate. However, can I mention to you that you become most like Jesus Christ when you don't strike back to somebody against somebody? You become most like Jesus when you don't attack back when somebody has attacked you with a personal insult or a threat or a statement or a gossip or whatever. And in the eighth beatitude, the scripture is saying that God blesses those who continually maintain and do what is right in spite of the opposition. That's how the beatitude is explained in our life. That God blesses those who continually maintain and do what is right in spite of opposition. Listen, listen, please listen. Let's face it. You will be insulted. I will be insulted. That means people will call you names because you are a follower of Jesus. You will be labeled. You will be mistreated. You might even be passed over for a promotion at work because you are a Christian. And you are going to experience people lying about you in life. People will say all kinds of false things in order to discredit you, to dishonor you, and to find fault with you. And if they can't find fault with you, they will make stuff up. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 and verse 19 says these words, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Listen, you and I can't control what other people say or do, but you can, you can control your reaction. I can control my reaction. And our position is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 17 and 19, where the Bible says, I'm going to entrust all my opposition, all my desire to bring retribution against somebody else. I am going to entrust myself to God. I'm going to lay it all into his hand. I'm going to really learn to let God be the defender of my faith and not cry and defend myself and retaliate myself. And lastly, here's the last point. This is the hardest point that we have to do when we face opposition, and that is to respond with blessing. Because instead of retaliating, what the Bible wants us to do is to bless those who hurt us and to 
return good for evil, to actually do good to, to those who do bad towards us. Romans chapter 12, verse 21 says, Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through verse 29, but, you, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, this is Jesus' word, love your enemy. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Here's what Jesus is saying. Love your enemy. Those who oppose you, those who come against you, Jesus is saying, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. And if they slap you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. Now, I, I, I have to be honest, and, and you have to be honest with yourself. This is probably the most difficult and the toughest verse to embrace for us. Let's be honest. It's a tough verse. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. You know what I would personally like to do? What I would personally like to say do is I want to stick it to my enemy. I want to gossip about those who hate me. What I'd really like to do is I want to get on the internet, on Facebook and Instagram. And write a nasty little piece and say something mean to those who don't like me. And if somebody slaps me on the cheek, what I really want to do is I want to punch them back. But it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to bless someone who is wrong or opposes you. And the only way, the only way that you can bless somebody and the only way that you can show kindness towards somebody who has come against you is to be so filled in your heart and your life with the love of God that you just want to shower them with that love. See, to overcome evil, to overcome evil with good, what Jesus is saying here, and what the scriptures are saying here, when you face persecution, when you face opposition, to overcome any kind of evil with good, it is the most powerful testimony and witness of who Christ is in your life. Let me ask you a question as I close. In this day and age, God is looking for men and he is looking for women who have courage, who are not publicly afraid to identify themselves as followers of Jesus. Here's the question. At what cost will you stay faithful to Christ? At what cost will you stay faithful to Christ? Right now there are wonderful and beautiful Christians around the world who are being tortured and who are sacrificing their life simply because they maintain a faith in Jesus Christ. Now our challenges and our, and our difficulties and our frustrations may not be drastic in Canada. 
And your, and your opposition in the workplace or in your neighborhood may not be as cruel or as violent. Let me ask you again. What are you willing to give up in order to stay faithful to the commitment that you've made to Jesus Christ? It was Jim Elliott who was martyred by the natives in an Ecuadorian Amazon jungle who said these words. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep for himself, for which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. That's the eighth beatitude. And if you decide, listen to me, if you decide that Jesus and God's kingdom is the most important aspect in your life, no matter what, no matter what opposition you're facing, no matter what conflict you come against, if God's kingdom and these beatitudes in order to be blessed in life are the most important thing for your life, Jesus says you will be blessed. In spite of the opposition, in spite of the persecution, in spite of the harassment that you face because of your faith, no matter what opposition, if you decide that Jesus and His kingdom is most important no matter what, the Bible says your life will be. Let's stand together. Father, we all experience difficulties and opposition. I pray, God, that we would severely take your words to heart. That we don't retaliate, but that we embrace as followers of Jesus. The fact that we have faith in you, we will face opposition. May we as people stay strong. May we as people remain firm. May we as people remain faithful. May we make the decision today, I am not going to waver in my faith in Jesus Christ, even if it costs me my life. I will not waver. I will remain true in my service to Lord, I pray that you would instill that spirit in all of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. God blesses those who mourn and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is there. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who are hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs.
simple statement, profound truth. If you live by those, your life will be blessed. Now as we close with one last song, I want to ask those of you who are even watching, you may want to put in a prayer request, but for those who are in sanctuary today, as we worship this last song, maybe you feel compelled in your spirit to come and just make a commitment afresh and anew to Jesus Christ again at this altar. As we worship Him, you say, you know, I want these I want these attributes. I want these statements that Jesus made, these beatitudes to be a part of my life. I'm committed to those because I want God's blessing on my life so that my life will shine. My life will be an influence in this world. If that is in your heart and you feel compelled to come to this altar today as we worship one last song, I invite you to come. All right? We're going to shut off the camera. You won't see any further identification if you are here in the sanctuary today. And those of you who are watching, click on click on the prayer chain and pray. Pray with us. Amen. God bless you. Give me vision.